All right, episode 58 of Vicious Talk with Benny P is going to be our wild card weekend NFL DFS selections for the uh, the first round of the playoffs here for 2020-2021 NFL season. On uh, today's podcast, again, is my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. It's great to be back, Ben. I, lo- I love these back-to-back podcast days because that means there's just so much football and so much sports commentary that we have to give out. And so, you know, I, it, we're just in store for an awesome weekend. Yep. We we got a exciting weekend of NFL football. Like we mentioned on the podcast yesterday, the first and only playoff round, we're going to get six games of NFL action, three games Saturday, three games Sunday, perfectly symmetrical, just a great weekend of football. You know, I'm not as big of a college football fan. Um, maybe as I, as I should be, I just, I never got into it because at least not recently because I was a big USC Trojans fan growing up and just the downfall of that school and their football program over the last decade or so, they're just not the same as they used to be. Like growing up, like I was a huge fan of Matt Leinart and Reggie Bush and Carson Palmer and, and uh, white it was Ladavian white. And I just like, I really enjoyed USC Trojan football. Now that they're not very good, I just, I get, I don't get excited for college football. And so it's really cool for me to have two days worth of just like back-to-back NFL playoff action, Saturday and Sunday. I got, we got two days worth of just great games, solid competitors, all these teams. We could say all you want about, you know, Washington, Chicago, and some of these other teams that, I mean, the Rams are kind of crawling into the playoffs a little bit. Some of these teams are, I mean, they're not, they're not playing their best football. Maybe not somewhat you think of like as an elite playoff talent, but you know, all these teams have a right to be here. They've all played well this year in their own in their own different ways, and uh, you know, hopefully, we'll just see some good some good games this weekend. And hopefully, we'll uh, make some money. Yeah, exactly. So, with that said, um, we're gonna give you some of our best values and selections for our personal DFS daily fantasy um, lineups this week. We're using all six games of the slate, Saturdays and Sundays. Um, you could use some of our value plays if you're gonna do one day or the other to try to fill out the rest of the holes in your roster, but. Connor and I, we've been doing really well in our, in our DFS selection in the season. So we're going to continue to try to help out our listeners. Connor, why don't you break down some of the stats we've had over the course of the, of the season? Yeah, it's been a, a great first season for us. Um, season long, I ended up averaging 140.59 points for DFS lineup in our weekly submitted lineups. And you averaged 131.58. So I ended up cashing 13 out of 17 weeks uh, or 18 because we we did a double week one. So 13 out of 18, which ended up being 76% of the time. You were 11 out of 18, which is 65% of the time. So on aggregate between us both, 71% of the time. Uh, and we just really been killing it lately. Um, so looking at our last seven games, um, where we have a little bit more data, we felt a little bit more comfortable. We got into a rhythm. I'm averaging 157 points over the last seven and you're averaging 143. Yeah. So, I mean, these are lineups that are high scoring well into the money. I mean, last week I put up 175, uh, looking back on the season week seven, you put up 192. So these aren't just lineups that are going to be competitive in cash. We're going to help you with some tournament lineups as well. And we're going to give you those long shot guys that, that are going to be the game breakers. Yeah, for me, there was 
a good amount of, le- of a learning curve for me this year because I'm a little bit of a novice to daily fantasy. Like I didn't really play that much in previous seasons. I mean, I would keep an eye on it, but you know, it was just, it was something that like DraftKings, it, it was difficult for me to figure out with like trying to put in being from California and then Arizona it's gambling, sports gambling isn't legal there. So it just took me a minute to try to figure out, you know, the, the, the mechanics of, of the whole thing and the logistics of actually like depositing the money and, and using the, the websites for, you know, daily fantasy. And it's, it's not that you're not allowed to do it in those States because daily fantasy is, is allowed in those States, but it was just like, as a novice, it was just, it wasn't, it, it was a learning curve for me. And so I, th- I think that it's indicative of, you know, we're both finishing strong on the year and the more data that we have to collect um, with the more, you know, with the, the more data we have under our belt to, you know, make predictive analysis and interpret who we think is going to have the best weeks when, you know, I think that it's, it's showing late in the season. We're really starting to get some, some good lineups out there to listeners and we're uh, really hitting our stride here heading into the, the 2020 playoffs, 2021 playoffs. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the, if you look at our worst week, so the sub 100 weeks in our submitted lineups, there were five total on the season and three of those five came within the first four weeks of the season where we were still getting accustomed to learning these new lineups, looking at what are, what are these rookie players going to look like this year and who, who can we trust? And now that we have that in our back pocket, you know, we feel a lot more comfortable with our lineups. And I guess that means our listeners should too. Yeah, I really and I like both of our lineups a lot this week for the wildcard weekend. And so without further ado, let's dive into some of our early selections here for the wildcard weekend NFL playoff round we got going on this week. All right, Connor, we both got the same quarterback selection here this week. Why don't you kick it off? Let me know what you think about our guy, Josh Allen. I mean, I think this is just the easiest, most locking in play at the position. Um, when you look at the other guys who are available, both Rodgers and Mahomes have a bye this week, so they're not on the slate. The only quarterback more expensive than him is Lamar Jackson. But I think when we're talking about a guy who is an MVP caliber player all season long and who is just maybe the hottest player in fantasy sports, aside from his, his running mate, Stefan Diggs, Josh Allen's just an absolute smash play. And he also has one of the easier matchups because there's a lot of great defenses playing this week and Indianapolis is, is just okay. So well, Indianapolis was really good early on. And over the second half of the year, they're right on average to below average. In fact, in, in DVOA uh, defense rankings. So you're right. Indianapolis is a good defense, but you know, they're, they're not the elite defense that we thought they were at least in the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. So with, with Allen's floor because of his legs and his rushing and then his ceiling, because he just really found the deep ball and he has, you know, what should be most of his weapons healthy with uh, Brown and Diggs, maybe no Cole Beasley, but his potential is a 40 point game and his floor feels around like 17 or 18 points. So I love having him as at the quarterback position this week. Yeah. Also something I want to note for this game, the Indianapolis Buffalo game, I'm optimistic on the over on this game. So that that's good for, you know, fantasy purposes. It's nice to have a guy who, I mean, I would, I would assume, or I would like to, you know, I think that it is a high likelihood that Josh Allen is the best fantasy asset in this game. I mean, alongside Stefan Diggs, I mean, Diggs was what, number one or two in, in fantasy uh, position ranked at the end of this year. But Josh Allen is in, right there with the MVP candidates of Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes on the year. So um, Allen, I think, like you said, just the, the best value. I mean, I, I know he's a second, the second highest priced quarterback this weekend, but really just not as many elite options this week um, with the great defenses, like you said, playing this weekend. And, you know, J- Josh Allen just 
has been on a roll lately. The Buffalo offense has been really, really good to close out the season. And um, Allen and the well, actually Buffalo's defense has been, you know, average to below average for the most part. I mean, they, they have their moments, but they're no by no means an elite defense. So I think Indianapolis should be able to put up points, which should bode well for Buffalo, you know, throwing the football in, um, late into this game. Yeah. And then making the decision why I went with Allen and looking at a couple of the other quarterbacks that are available, you might say, okay, well, Tom Brady also has really high ceiling potential. We, we saw some huge games from him at the end of the season, but we need to take into consideration the opponents he was playing because when he plays a, a good defense, a top five defense, he really doesn't perform that well. Uh, week one against New Orleans, 22.4. So that's serviceable. But week five against Chicago, only 14. Week eight against the Giants, which are an above average defense, 19. Week nine versus New Orleans, he only had five. And then week 11 against the Rams, he had 14. So there's a consistent theme with these teams and they can get pressure on Brady, which limits his upside. And I think Washington's going to be able to do that. So I don't love him this week. Yeah. And then looking at another guy who's performed really well this season is Russell Wilson. And he's played the Rams twice this season and he has put up 19 and 13 in the, the two games he's played against the Rams, which is really not the ceiling you want when you're going to pay up at quarterback. So if you're going to pay up, I think it has to be Josh Allen. Definitely. And the only other options for me, I mean, you have, you have a bargain basement guy that I think will let you share some, some of your thoughts on that, but the other options for me, the only other ones that I really consider were Ryan Tannehill against Baltimore and Ben Roethlisberger against Pittsburgh. I think those two guys, you, you could, if you want to save a little bit of money, if you don't want to spend up to get Josh Allen, I think those two guys could be options this week at, in DFS. I think honestly, Roethlisberger is a pretty decent value at $6,100. I think Pittsburgh is going to score a lot of points against Cleveland this week. Um, and, and like I said earlier on, on yesterday's podcast, Roethlisberger has been starting to take more of more control of the play calling for Pittsburgh's offense. And I think that's going to bode well for his fantasy success, you know, in, in these NFL playoffs this year. Yeah, absolutely agree. All right. What's your, who's your best, your, your bargain basement value this week though, for, for quarterback. Well, at quarterback, this, and this is very dependent on if he actually is the starting quarterback, but it's uh, John Wolford. Yeah. And I, I like this guy because we saw they want to utilize him a little bit like uh, the Cardinals use Kyler Murray and, and get him out in, in the running game and drop some schemes where he is able to use his legs because he's going to have a difficult time reading a defense in the second game ever in the playoffs. And so I think there's going to be a lot of scrambles, but that also means it's a pretty safe floor for a quarterback. And, you know, McVay is pretty creative and I think he can put it, um, put Wolford in positions to succeed, you know, with some of those tap passes to Robert Woods and things of that nature. Um, so he's coming in at only 4,900 Seattle has had kind of a, an up and down season as a defense and they've looked better as of late, but still certainly not a defense that totally scares you. So could be a play uh, if Goff so is playing, I really don't like him though because Goff and his finger and he's very immobile I think Jamal Adams could cause a lot of problems but yeah Wolford if he plays 4900 yeah the the, the thing I, I like about this I mean obviously it sounds like the Rams aren't going to be declaring a starting quarterback until like within an hour and a half of game time or so and um, I mean honestly I I, I lean towards I think it looks like Goff's going to try to give it a go which has me really worried because I, I, I'm guessing that we'll probably see Goff and Wolford both at, at some point in this game. And for that sake, you know, you, do, you I would stay away at least early on from DFS selections from picking either of those guys. But if Wolford plays this whole game, I don't hate this value either. $4,900 for what you're saying. And I, I, I've, I've, 
mentioned on yesterday's podcast as well. I really like the under on this LA Rams Seattle game. A lot of people are, are picking the under a lot of the sharps in in uh, NFL handicapping circles are picking the under for this game. And it makes a lot of sense, but the thing that helps Wolford's value, like you said, is it's, it's the running, the running value. And even if the Rams aren't scoring a ton of points, Wolford might get, you know, 50, 60, 70 yards running the ball. And that's, that's very important in fantasy. I mean, it keeps the floor high. Um, it keeps your, you know, you're spending $4,900 at quarterback. You have a lot of room to invest heavy on some other positions and, and get some of the elite players and those, those other spots in your lineup. Right. You can try to get a Derrick Henry and a Kamara or Jonathan Taylor into your lineup if you're yeah. able to save that much money at the quarterback position. So not that he's a smash play, but it just gives you more lineup flexibility. Exactly. All right. Let's roll into the running back position. Um, it's funny. You mentioned this before we were on the podcast. We last week, we both did really well selecting. You got Derrick Henry. I had Jonathan Taylor's two of the elite running backs in week 17. I think they were the two top scoring running backs in that week. And then we reversed roles yep. this week. I'm going with Derrick Henry. Connor's going with Jonathan Taylor. Connor, what do you like about Taylor and their matchup against Buffalo this week? Well, when we're looking at the defensive matchups, some of the top guys, they, they're, you know, Chubb against Pittsburgh. These, these aren't really the matchups you would like to exploit, um, especially with Pittsburgh getting their starting, you know, running backs back. Derrick Henry is a smash play. Um, so I love that you have him, but I think Taylor, like we saw last week, it has the, the ability to rival that performance and he's also $1,300 cheaper. So for my running back one, a guy who I think is going to get almost all of the workload and is a factor in the passing game as well. Um, with a lot of touchdown upside, I just absolutely love Jonathan Taylor and his big playability. Yeah. I like Taylor this week, obviously. I mean, the, the, the rookies, we had this theory early on in the year that the rookie running backs were going to take some time to develop. And we assumed that they were going to hit their peak and their stride late in the year. And that's really happened with Taylor. I mean, I know he had some success, you know, early to mid season. And then he had really a big, big lull with the fumbling problems. He had a few games where he didn't even play very much and he lost a lot of confidence or at least temporarily Frank Reich lost a lot of confidence in, in Taylor, but you know, the last, I think it's been four weeks now he's been, I think he's been no no lower than RB5 or so. And he's really hit his stride here. And I think that you're right. I think Taylor has a great week against Buffalo. And like I said, with Josh Allen, I think this game goes over the 51 and a half point total, which bodes well for any player really in, in this game. And I think Taylor's going to be heavily involved in the Indianapolis Colts attack on, on offense. Uh, for me, I went with Derrick Henry because, I mean, how could you not go with Derrick Henry? <laughs> I mean, the guy is an animal for all the reasons we talked about on the podcast on episode 56. Derrick Henry is impossible to tackle in January. It's it's cold in Tennessee. I think every outdoor game this week is in the low to to high 30s. I don't think any game is projected uh, weather forecast outside of high thirties. And so it's going to be cold. I really like Derrick Henry in the second half in this game. I think he's going to really just wear down Baltimore's defense and with a running back that big and that strong, it's just so difficult to tackle a guy like that after you've spent 30 minutes or I mean 25 minutes on the field on defense and you're exhausted and it's cold and you can't feel your fingers and you got to tackle a guy who's, I think he's like what, six, six, two fifty or so, something like that. I mean, the guy is an, a freak of nature. Um, I was more than willing to spend up for the $9,200 to get Derrick Henry in my lineup. I could see him going for 200 yards in this game, at least a touchdown, maybe two. I just, I, I think that, 
I know a lot of people are probably going to try to find room for Derrick Henry in their lineups this week, but that that doesn't matter to me. I think you got to keep up. You got to keep pace with everybody else that's going to have him. And Derrick Henry is a guy that you you really got to figure out a way, in my opinion, to try to fit him into your budget and your DFS lineups this week. You can do that. And this is what we both had in our RB2 slot is find some value in a guy like Cam Akers, who's only $5,100. And we know that Daryl Henderson's on IR. So Cam Akers is going to be the guy and there's quarterback issues. So that means that they're going to really rely on the running game. Malcolm Brown has not been heavily used, which was a concern. And so it really does seem like Akers is in store for a decent matchup against the Seahawks with a, with a lot of volume. And he's only 5,100. So Ben, tell, tell me why you, why you like Akers this week. Well, I like Acres a lot because I mean, two just two weeks ago, Acres was priced out as I think this is the fifth most expensive running back in the league when they were facing the Jets, and I, that did not go well for him. Obviously, the Rams lost that game, but Acres had had a great finish to the season until he had the ankle injury. It sounds like he's he I mean he's he's going to give it a go. He's not listed on the injury report, and I like to think that he's. Yeah, he's going to get a heavy workload because the only other running back he's, he's going to play alongside is Malcolm Brown. Darrell Henderson went on the IR out for the season now and Malcolm Brown, while he is someone that Sean McVay trusts, someone who's going to get some snaps, he's not someone that's going to be their feature guy. Who's going to be a, th- a th- uh, every down back and, and take a big chunk of Cam Akers workload. So Akers is going to be the guy here. And he's, we saw him, I think he had 29 carries in week 15. Correct. I think he had 29 carries and I I would not be surprised to see that happening again. And like I said, I like the under for this game, LA Rams in Seattle, which bodes well for the running games. I think that both these teams are going to try to run the ball and play a little bit more on the conservative side. And that bodes well for acres getting a lot of touches acres being heavily involved in chunk yardage here and there five to 10 yards um, on, on most of his running plays. And I think that acres is in store for a solid value. week. price out of just $5,100. You might be getting a guy that, scores and he might be one of the top four running backs this week all right connor let's uh let's dive into some of the values we have at the running back position uh we have guys that we did not select here and i I like this first one you got jk dobbins for baltimore and he's probably had at sixty six hundred dollars J.K. Dobbins is going to be heavily involved in Baltimore's offensive scheme this week, I think. Baltimore, like I said yesterday, they're the number one rush rate team in the league this year. It's not something that's new to them. They were the number one rushing team last year, I believe. And Dobbins, before he had the injury, was looking like someone who was on the verge of just completely exploding. And we might see that here in the first week of the NFL playoffs. If you could fit Dobbins into your lineup at $6,600, I think that's a great value still because – Dobbins, like I said, he, I think that he's going to be heavily involved in what Baltimore's trying to do. If Baltimore is able to get an early lead, look for Dobbins to really just run away with a lot of the workload, a lot of the carries. I could see him getting upwards of 20-plus carries in this one. Yeah, when you can look at the matchup against Tennessee, they're 28th in, in fantasy points uh, against running backs. So Dobbins is a guy who has high upside potential. We saw his breakaway speed last week against Cincinnati when he put up 160 yards um, on only 13 attempts. And he has had a touchdown in every single game going back to uh, week 10 against New England. That was the last time he didn't have a touchdown. So it's been six straight games with the touchdown, which means he's an extremely safe floor. 
He is the goal line running back, and he has upside potential for only 6,600 in the plus matchup. I really like Dobbins. My only concern is a bit of the volume because he does split work with Gus Edwards, and then we know Lamar Jackson likes to run, which is why uh, I prioritized a couple other guys in my lineups first, but I'm certainly going to have Dobbins sprinkled into a few of my um, other lineups as yeah, well. Yeah, the variability in what Dobbins can put out in performance this week is kind of big. Like the You, you could see him you know, scoring less than 10 fantasy points i mean i could say the floor is maybe like seven to eight points on the week but yeah, you could also you could also say the ceiling is like 30 so we'll see we'll see what happens there and it's a big risk to put them in your lineup but that's the kind of play that you might want to fit into when you're having a dfs lineup for our, you're trying to hit the home run you're trying to get the lineup that um is a little bit different than most the, the public's going to be on i don't know that how many people are going to be heavily um on jk dobbins this week just because of what you said he's sharing the workload uh, Baltimore, I mean, he was hurt two weeks ago. A lot of people are expecting a big game out of Lamar Jackson. Gus Edwards has been a, taking away a lot of his workload this this year. And I, I honestly like Edwards a little bit as a value play myself. I considered getting him into my lineup as well because he's only $4,400. And so he might be someone that people want to buy the value on on, on that because they're going to save two twenty. $2,200 going to from Dobbins to Edwards. And that honestly might even be worth um, more of value for the, for Edwards. But like you said, I mean, Dobbins is a guy that I, I really, I really like this week. I think he, the likelihood of him having a good, a good game against Tennessee is high. Who's another guy that you're, you're keeping an eye on and possibly um, other DFS lines you might set this week. I think another guy who has high volume potential is Ronald Jones. This is a game where a lot of people are predicting Tampa Bay to get out to a huge lead and get up big. And that means they would likely try to run the ball out in the second half. And if that game script comes to fruition, I think it's going to be Ronald Jones in the backfield and not Leonard Fournette. Uh, Jones, uh, 12 for 78 last game with the touchdown, past two, uh, but before that, 15.4 and 17.3. So for 5,500, if you can get him into double digit point territory, I think that's a decent way to get some money. But, you know, we liked Akers more at 5,100 because he has a little bit more pass catching ability. Um, and then I think if you want to be contrarian and still try to get one of the hottest players in the league into your lineup, you can go for David Montgomery. You know, if you look at his game log, 28 points, 20 points, 32, 28, 27, 28. If I can lock that into my lineup for only 6,900, I'm going to be really happy. Now, the matchup isn't great against New Orleans, but last time he played New Orleans, he had 89 yards as well as five receptions. And so that combination gives him a decent floor because Montgomery really is the only guy there, especially after Tariq Cohen went down with injury. So I think he still will be high volume. I think he'll be a lot less effective than he's been over the past few weeks, but still a great chance uh, for a touchdown, especially a guy who has had seven touchdowns in the past five games. So David Montgomery could be a decent option if you don't want to go for Taylor or Henry as your number one spot. Yeah, I think that Montgomery is a guy that a lot of people are going to try to stay away from because of the New Orleans threat of, of their defense. And that, like you said, that might be a good contrarian play because I, I think that you could, if Montgomery has a good game, if Chicago stays in this game, it's it, it's going to be because of David Montgomery and, and Mitch Trubisky not turning the football over, like I said yesterday. So Montgomery is a guy that... If you if you're trying to sneak in a great play, someone who I mean Montgomery honestly could be the the number one running back this week. He could end up being that. 
and he has that type of ceiling. So he could be a guy, like you said, that you could get a steal there. You could get a guy that a lot of people aren't going to be on this week. He he could have a good game. I don't love the opportunity against New Orleans, so that's why I stayed away. But like you said, it's it's kind of a contrarian play where you might be getting somebody that a lot of people aren't on this week. One other guy that I I considered in my lineup this week, um, Latavius Murray, with just kind of the COVID situation with Alvin Kamara. A lot of players have had mixed results coming back from the COVID-19 virus. Kamara, from all, all understanding, he had the virus. He tested positive for it. And he's been not practicing this week. He's been, like I said yesterday, he's been following practices via Zoom and virtually. He's been involved, uh, you know, through computers and, and following just like, the game plan on, on zoom meetings and stuff like that. And so Murray's been the guy getting all the reps, getting in, getting familiar with their scheme in person. And Murray's somebody that we've seen take over a, at times, a heavy role in the saints offensive scheme. Somebody who's only $4,500 could be someone that, you know, boosts his way up into the RB one conversation this week. And for only 4,500, that might be worth a, a dart throw of a play there, but it's, it's a risk because of the fact that Alan Kamara is just so, so great could completely just take over that game. So. Right. But even in games where Kamara is healthy and playing Latavius still has threatens for double digit touches occasionally. So it's not a complete wash, but yeah, definitely make sure you're keeping track of Kamara's health. And if you hear that he's essentially just a hundred percent healthy Sunday morning, maybe it's not the the way to go because they're going to rely on the guys they trust. And they absolutely love Alvin Kamara. Totally. All right, let's dive into the wide receiver position. We both wanted to go with somebody in our wide receiver one spot. We have the same selection here. We, the thought process for me was, you know, these wide receiver ones this week that are, are priced out the most expensive prices, they don't necessarily have the best matchups against posing defenses. And so I wanted to go with a guy who I know is going to get a lot of volume, someone who's been getting a lot of receptions, a lot of targets from his, from his quarterback, someone who I, I think is going to store for a big week and he was priced out. I think at the seventh or eighth most expensive price on the week, or maybe I think it was like 10th or so. And I thought the value was just too good to be, uh, to pass up. And so we both went with Deontay Johnson in the wide receiver one spot. I think Pittsburgh's offense is, is going to be in store for a big statement win against Cleveland this week. Yeah. The, the 10th highest, um, highest salary wide receiver on the week, Deontay, and he's just an absolute target monster. So as long as the, uh, the drop monster doesn't bite him this week, I think he's going to yeah. see a lot of volume. He played well against um, Cleveland just last week. And that was with Mason Rudolph. And uh, the other guy's name is escaping my mind. I think they had two Dobbs. quarterbacks there, but Dobbs. he had like 90 yards. So yeah, it was Dobbs. Jobs and yes, thank you. Um, Joshua Dobbs, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, he gets been big Ben back, and the rapport between those two all season has been fantastic. So, I mean, for the 10th, for the 10th highest price, he has wide receiver one potential on the week. Um, but I, I, I do like Stefan Diggs, you know, where we have Josh Allen, and yeah, so I, I tried I don't mind to fit for him, but the questionable tag is yeah. a little worrying. I try, I tried to find a way to fit in Diggs, but then you're right, that questionable tag. I mean, the fact that, I mean, it sounds like he's going to play, but the fact that he's just a little bit banged up made me a little bit, you know, wary of paying up for that price because maybe his workload's a little bit limited. Maybe they go to a guy like someone who else you have in your lineup this week, uh, maybe a tertiary receiver 
for the, for the Buffalo bills. And it's always cool to have a stack with your quarterback and receiver. You figure that if you're, if they're in store for a big game, you like the opportunity to really like double down on that opportunity or that team. But um, Stefan Diggs with the, with the questionable tag, I think he has a, a oblique injury. Uh, that's never, that's not one that just goes away. That's one that kind of lingers and it could get worse later in the game. So that, that was what worried me a little bit with Diggs and I just I I thought that it wasn't worth that. I mean, he's 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 eight he's uh, six hundred dollars more expensive than the second wide receiver ranked this week, AJ Brown. So you're right. I, I just I thought Deontay Johnson's value was was just too good to pass up. And then I also I mean I spent up at quarterback and running back in Derrick Henry, so I couldn't I couldn't you know squeeze in an, an expensive receiver too. Yeah, and I, I typically don't like spending up at receiver when the smash plays aren't there with a great matchup. And so we don't have Tyreek Hill this week. There's no Devontae Adams. And so it just doesn't really feel like a week where you need to spend up because there is a lot of value in some of the tertiary guys. Totally. All right, who would you go with in a wide receiver two spot? Wide receiver two, I'm going with Marquise Brown. Now, Hollywood's been looking better lately. Lamar Jackson's looking for him in, in the red zone. And a, a guy with obviously huge upside potential, breakaway speed, and can take one long. And for 5,400, again, I'm targeting this matchup against Tennessee. I think they're one of the most susceptible defenses in the playoffs. And so, yeah, I like some of these Ravens players. And Marquise Brown makes a, a great high upside wide receiver two for me. Yeah, I like that play. And I uh, went with a similar scenario in my wide receiver three spot. We'll get to that. But in my wide receiver, two, wide receiver two spot, I went with Antonio Brown, someone who's been really coming on of late. His last three games, he's got 39.8 points in week 17, 13.5 in week 16, 20.3 points in week uh, 15 against Atlanta. And I really think that Antonio Brown, I mean, we know the chemistry he has with Tom Brady. Brady just really loves him. And I don't know if they're still living together, but you know, they just have a connection that it's one that it's, it's unique. (laughs) And Antonio Brown is the only wide receiver in this playoffs that has more than 40 catches and zero drops. He hasn't dropped a single pass this year. And if Brady throws the ball his way, he's going to bring it down. If it's in, if it's within his kids catch radius and, Antonio Brown, Brown's catch radius is huge. The guy is a monster still. He's no, he's not the the number one receiver in the league like he was in Pittsburgh anymore. But he's he's still one of the more ta- most talented receivers in this league. And with the the injury to Mike Evans, he's been he's banged up questionable for the week. I think that Antonio Brown's going to be more involved in the offensive scheme. I like his opportunity to have a big game. Price at sixty one hundred dollars. I like the I like the Brown pick for me. Yeah, I love that move too. You know, we're both in on Brown this week. Uh, different Browns, but that's okay. Uh, UPS, not a sponsor, but what can Brown do for you? I think they're going to do a lot for us in terms of fantasy yeah, Well, points. you have another Brown your wide receiver three spots, so tell me about it. Nice transition. I like that. So now we're getting into the correlation play with Josh Allen, and I'm taking John Brown here. We know Cole Beasley's dinged up. Stephon Diggs is dinged up. That means John Brown's the uh, the healthiest receiver on the team. And last year, he built up an awesome rapport with um, with Josh Allen. This year, he's been dealing with injuries of his own, but he's over 15 points in each of the last three full games he's played it. Uh, including last week where he had 17. So I really like John Brown in a game where the other guys are dinged up and we think Buffalo uh, is, you know, going to play really well, especially Josh Allen too. Yeah. I like this play a lot because I mean, John Brown, he, like you said, had a great rapport with Allen last year and he's suffered a lot of injuries this year, been in and out of the lineup consistently 
played for the first time last week in week 17 for the first time since week 10. So he took like a six week hiatus on an injury that he had uh, during that, during that time. And he had four targets last week, brought in all of them for 72 yards and a touchdown. I like his opportunity to his target load to increase. The guy had 11 targets in week nine, eight targets in week 10. And then he went out with the injury. Someone who Josh Allen is comfortable throwing the ball to. And so if his two mid receivers, Cole Beasley and John Brown are injured, look for Brown, John, uh, John Brown to ha- have a big game this week for bu- bu- the Buffalo Bills. And also I can't, I can't emphasize enough. I think there's gonna be a lot of points scored in this Indianapolis Colts Buffalo game. I like that. All right. My, my, my wide receiver three spot for the same reasons that you talked about with Marquise Brown, I went with miles Boykin in my Baltimore for the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver. He's a, he's a, he's, been the, the the number two receiver for essentially for Lamar Jackson. I mean, I know Mark Andrews collects a lot of targets and, and attention in that offense receiving, uh, but he's the tight end. And, and, and Boykin has been someone that has been a big play threat consistently this year. Somebody that, you know, he's not getting a huge targets here, but he really only takes one play to, to really turn his week around. He, I mean, he, he's a big play threat consistently and Tennessee Titans are a team that allows a lot of big plays this year. Their past defense is 29th in the league. And I think Boykin could uh, really, it's just, it, all he needs is one long catch, one long touchdown. And you know, it's worth the pick for just $3,400 that allowed me to fit in a lot of other talent into my roster. I think Boykin could be a guy that is a good dart throw that pays off in the end. Yeah, and he, he's a bigger body and a good red zone target. So if you think the Ravens are going to need to score to keep up with the Titans and in a high-scoring matchup, certainly a guy that could easily get a touchdown. Yeah. All right, in our tight end position – oh, sorry, let's let's discuss – a little. did you have any other guys you wanted to highlight at the wide receivers position uh, this week for the Wild Card Weekend? Yeah, one of them was Brown, who was in your lineup, so I didn't see your lineup before going through my value plays. But in terms of Antonio Brown – all the reasons you mentioned, and he's also $900 cheaper than Chris Godwin. So just a little bit of a better value play than his teammate. But I think both of those guys have potential to have a big game in that same game. I like Terry McLaurin. He's 6,300. Now we have to be a bit worried about the the passing game and Alex Smith. Um, we have to monitor who's going to be starting at quarterback there. There's, there's a lot of downside risk in playing McLaurin because if there's not time for Smith to move out of the pocket or, you know, get, get away from the pass rush. He's not going to be able to get McLaurin for one of those deep balls, but McLaurin at 6,300 with one of the best yards of the catch players, he's just liable to break one at any point. So I think I'm probably going to sprinkle him in there a little bit here and there. We know Tampa Bay is also um, a team that does give up the long ball a decent amount and is much better against the running game. So I'm off of Antonio Gibson, but I'm in on the pass catchers in Washington because they're going to have to score. So Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin, and J.D. McKissick, I think, all have potential um, as we think Washington probably plays for a little bit of catch-up and plays from behind. I like that play. Somebody who I actually I think it could be could be a good dart throw this week, Zach Pascal for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. I think the Colts' offense is going to get their points against Buffalo's defense. That Buffalo defense is their biggest their biggest Achilles heel. They they've been average to below average from a good a good amount of this year, and Zach Pascal had two. His, he had a mediocre week in week 17, just two catches, 41 yards, no touchdowns, 66.1 fantasy points. But week week 16 against Pittsburgh, he had 15.4 fantasy points, 64 yards on three catches and a touchdown. Week 15 against Houston, he had 79 yards and two touchdowns. So he's not that far removed from some really good games for the Colts. I think Phil Rivers, this is his last game, possibly, of his career. 
he might not come back next year. He, he probably doesn't have a job in, in Indianapolis next year. And I think he's going to, you know, go out, go out with a bang. And Pascal is somebody that he looks to on the big plays, somebody that he looks to when he's trying to stretch the field and Buffalo is going to keep the Colts offense pressured. They're going to keep, they're going to have to throw the ball. Well, the Colts are. And I think that, uh, Pasco could be a guy that, you know, explodes for a, a big touchdown. Maybe somebody who, you know, has a good week this week for the Colts. I think he, for just $3,700, I think that's a pretty good dart throw. Yeah. And then the last guy I like is Corey Davis. Um, a very, very variable player. A high level of variance between his highs and his lows on the year. Week 16, two targets, zero catches. But you just look to the week before that, six six targets, four catches, 110 yards and a touchdown. This guy has really high upside potential, but also he has a really low floor. Yeah. That's why you're seeing the price of 4,800. But he's the number two receiving target on the Titans in a game where, again, we think it's possibly high scoring. And that means that there's going to be some tertiary scoring, maybe a deep ball here or there. Derek Henry is probably going to be the biggest beneficiary and then AJ Brown. But if the Ravens look to stop AJ Brown, Corey Davis could be the beneficiary at only 4,800. He's a guy who is nearly a, a thousand yard receiver on the season, 984. So kind of his breakout year, I think he doesn't make a bad flex play as well as a wide receiver. Yeah. In their last game against Baltimore, Corey, Corey Davis was their leading receiver. He didn't catch the touchdown. AJ Brown did, but uh, Corey Davis, I like this play. He had, he had five catches for 113 yards yards came out to 19.3 fantasy points on the day aj brown had a good week in his own because he caught the touchdown i think he had like 63 yards and a touchdown for the tennessee titans but the ravens are going to make an emphasis to try to stifle aj brown limit his big play potential i think core davis could be a good play this week someone that titans are forced to look his way after aj brown gets a little bit hamstrung because a lot of the attention that baltimore is going to give him yeah, once you get under that threshold of like $5,000 for the salary, it gets really difficult to find a player that has a 100-yard potential at the wide receiver position. And I think it's kind of a coin flip whether Corey Davis can get there because on the year, I mean, there are so many times he had double-digit games, but the floor is just so low too. So a guy that I think has high potential but have a tough time saying, you know, lock him into your lineup because of the variability. So a little, a little dash of Davis won't do you too much harm. Yeah. And then one last guy I think that I want to talk about is Chase Claypool. I think he's going to have a good game. I mean, he hit 11 targets last week, five receptions, 11 targets, 101 yards. I know Big Ben wasn't the quarterback last week, but I think Claypool, I mean, this is his first playoff game of his career rookie. He's had a really good season. I think Big Ben's going to reward him. I think he's going to look his way a good six to, to 10 times this week. And I like his opportunity to catch a touchdown. He's been a guy that has been a good red zone target for Big Ben in, in the Pittsburgh offense. And I think he, he could come down with another score this week, I think. Yeah, I like Claypool a lot, too. I was considering between him and Johnson. I think Johnson's just a little bit of a safer play. Yeah, um, the volume is higher with Johnson. Yeah, exactly. More target volume, but... Playpool certainly has that touchdown upside more than any other player on the Steelers. Definitely. All right, let's dive into the tight end position. We got Logan Thomas at, at tight end for both of us. I mean, I think he's the second most expensive tight end this week, and it was worth paying up for a guy like this. He was only forty nine hundred dollars. I mean, we're saying I'm not saying that he was super expensive, but I, Washington. He's been their number one receiving guy over the last few weeks. He's somebody that's really blossomed into. He's going to be a top five tight end taken next year, and he's a guy that. 
a lot of people are are big on. I mean, he had 16 targets in week 15, 12 targets in week 16. He had six targets last week against Philadelphia, but that game was just so weird. Um, Washington wasn't really looking to throw the ball a lot last week, but he's someone that Alex Smith has really developed a good rapport with. And so if if Smith is is in this game, I think Logan Thomas is in store for a lot of volume and probably a, a score or two. Yeah, Logan Thomas, man, is just an awesome value, 4,900, when there's so much variability in these tight ends, and we can get somebody who seems like a really safe play. He's been in double-digit points um, every single game since week 12, and, you know, it took a bit of time for him to develop a rapport with Alex Smith. You had Dwayne Haskins and Heineke and Kyle Allen in there at different points of the season, but once Alex Smith fully took over, we really saw him develop a rhythm with Logan Thomas, and and, you know, he's had a 16 target and 12 target game in two of his past three. Last week, he had six targets and a touchdown. So just a, a great smash play. And you're comparing him to guys like Paul Komet, who are just an absolute coin flip. Um, the only other tight end I really feel comfortable recommending is Mark Andrews, honestly. And he's 5,200. Um, Jerry Cook, Gronk, and Hooper are all okay plays, but I'm not nearly in love with all of them as much as I am uh, with Andrews and Thomas. Yeah. The only other guy I was willing to take a possibly take a dart throw on was I think Pittsburgh is going to throw the ball this week a lot against Cleveland. And I was looking to consider Vance McDonald, someone who hasn't really had the best season, but he had six targets last week against Cleveland. And I think someone he could be a guy that, you know, catches a red zone touchdown, someone who gets another six targets or so again this week. I I really like the Pittsburgh offense this week. I think they're going to score a lot of points. I like their over on the team total. And I think Vance McDonald could be a decent value play, but for he's just been so inconsistent this year. I mean, really, like you said, there's really no for sure options besides I think Mark Andrews and Logan Thomas are the only guys, you know, are going to be heavily involved in, in the offensive scheme. All the other guys are coin flips. They could see zero targets or one target or two targets. Like some of those guys could just have absolute egg dud games and they could just completely lay an egg. And uh, Logan Thomas and Mark Andrews are the only two guys you could put into your lap and be sure, you know, you got to, you got to save floor at the very least from those guys. Yeah, I mean, looking at Gronk, past four games, four, 20, nice upside, six, seven. So, I mean, three three out of the four, you're not happy you played that guy. And so if he's coming in at 4,000, if it's only $900 more to get Thomas, I'm easily going to spend up for so much more security. Totally. And same with Jared Cook. I mean, he's priced out pretty expensive too. He's 4,600. Jared Cook, I mean... I like the upside with the Chicago play. Chicago gives up a lot of points to fantasy points to tight ends, but you know, Jared Cook and the guy has been up and down all year and he, he's closed right. out the season pretty well. He's at a reasonably decent value this week, but someone that, you know, the floor is, the floor is pretty low. And so he could, he could, this could be a running game. And this could be an Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray game. So we'll see what happens there. I, I like our, I like our play with Logan Thomas. Yeah, Cook is the fourth guy in terms of targets on that team when Michael Thomas is active. You know, you have Kamara, Thomas, and Sanders all ahead of him in the target tree. And so when you're the fourth option, it's just so low volume that the floor is extremely low. If you look at his his game log, it's just five targets, four targets, five, four, five, two, one, two, and just that touchdown dependent. Just kill one of your teams. All those other guys touchdown dependent. Besides Logan Thomas and Mark Andrews, I would say every other every other tight end this week is touchdown dependent. Mm-hmm. All right, let's roll into our flex options. Uh, we haven't talked about either either guy for the purpose of we want to reveal them here in our flex uh, segment. And in, in my flex, I went with Naheem Hines. 
the Indianapolis Colts running back. I like his opportunity to, to be involved heavily in the passing game because, I, like I said, I think there's going to be a lot of points. Buffalo is going to keep Indianapolis throwing the ball. They're going to put up the points and they're going to make Indianapolis keep up. And when the Colts need to throw the ball, they put in Naheem Hines, especially on third downs. And Naheem Hines is someone that he got seven targets last week, four targets the week before, three, four. He had 10 in week 12. I mean, someone that is heavily involved in what the Colts try to do when they're trying to score points. And when uh, Hines is out there, he he's heavily involved in the game. He doesn't, he doesn't, uh, when Taylor's playing, he doesn't get uh, the majority of the workload. Taylor obviously is the, is the bell cow guy, but when, when Hines is in there, you know that he's going to be involved in what they're trying to do. And for $4,700, I think Hines could have a good game, especially in PPR formats, someone who could catch, you know, seven to eight passes possibly, possibly in this game. Yeah, and my flex play, you know, we're both getting flexy here, and I love that. Um, I'm going with J.D. McKissick, you know, one of the flexiest names uh, there is, little smooches. And uh, we got to love these pass catchers in games where we think the team is going to be behind. Playing from behind, PPR format, they're just going to be fantastic because of that floor that each reception provides these guys. And so McKissick last three games, eight targets, 10 targets, 10 targets, and nine, eight, five receptions respectively. Um, so just a really high floor when you're getting that many looks and you're that involved in the team's offense, even when you're not the team's main running back. And so I think that's where the value comes in as yeah. well. They're the secondary option, um, but they're putting up just as much production. Yeah, there's a possibility that Tampa Bay, like I said yesterday, could just absolutely blow Washington out of the water. And I hope that doesn't happen just because Washington is such a great story this year. Ron Rivera defeating cancer and and making the playoffs with a team that went seven and nine, uh, sub five hundred team, and a team that just really has come together as a unified group and and they they have an identity. Their defense leads the way, and we'll see if they're able to stay in this game. But there's a possibility that Tampa Bay completely blows them out of the water, and so if Washington falls behind early because, like I said, they're a second half team. Their defense really comes on in the second half. And I, I, I like McKissick's opportunity in the second half to catch an, a, a good bundle of, of passes when, when Washington has to throw the ball. And I, I like that play in flex. You know, Washington just is one of those really gritty teams and they have so much determination. This is a team that does not give up. When you look at Alex Smith overcoming 17 surgeries, Ron Rivera overcoming cancer, and then this team overcoming multiple different quarterbacks starting during the season and, and it challenges with injuries to different players. And they've really just been able to succeed despite all of that. And they're not going to give up in this game if Tampa Bay gets up big. They're going to keep throwing the ball. And J.D. McKissick and Logan Thomas, McLaurin, these receivers are going to be involved. And they could put up a lot of volume points where it could be kind of garbage time. But I, I, I hope Washington stays in this game. You know, I really root for them and I root for guys like Chase Young. Um, it should be really fun. Yeah, well said. All right, let's dive into the last position. We got defenses on the docket here. I went with the, the Los Angeles Rams defense because they're the most talented defense in the league right now, in my opinion. I mean, they got we talked about Aaron Donald yesterday. They're right there with the Saints and, and Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh. Those defenses are all very good. But I think the Rams have the, the most talent on the defensive side of the football. And so while Seattle's offense, you know, gets a lot of respect, like I said yesterday, they have not been the offense that you expect Seattle offense to be. They've been very conservative. Pete Carroll's been... Re- 
relying heavily on the ground game and relying heavily on their defense to keep point totals for their opposing offenses low. And I think the Rams, you know, have a good game on defense this week. I think this game goes under 42 points, under 42 and a half points, something around that, that range. And I, I like the opportunity for the Rams for just $2,900, a pretty good budget defense for me this week. I'm going with the Bucks this week. Uh, we talked about some of the challenges that we think that the Washington team can face in terms of this defensive line. I think with an immobile Alex Smith at quarterback, there's going to be a lot of sacks or possibly uh, a lot of pressure, at least, which could lead to some turnovers. And when we're talking about defense, what we really want to look for is those points. So it's going to be the sacks, the turnovers, and then defensive scoring. So certainly a team I think could get a touchdown this week. Um and then yeah. in terms of the value plays, uh, it, it's kind of tough to, to find them in the playoffs when there are so many good teams and so many good offenses. So I tried to find a team that I thought was going to have a challenge at quarterback, um, and that's the Rams. So I'm taking the Seahawks as, as a decent value play for only 2700 with either an injured golf well, or for the same reason who's playing. I'm expecting this this game to not have a lot of points scored, and so exactly. Uh, so that, same reasons you're going for the Rams. I'm going for the Seahawks just as as a value play, a cheaper play. But I, even more so, I like the Rams because of all their talent, and by by every metric, they're really the number one defense on the year. Definitely. All right, that's going to wrap it up for our DFS selections. Just to uh, summarize. We could uh, list off our DFS lineups. I went with Josh Allen on quarterback, Derrick Henry, and Cam Akers at running back. Deontay Johnson, Antonio Brown, and Miles Boykin at wide receiver, Logan Thomas at tight end, Naheem Hines in my flex spot, and the Rams defense in my defensive special team slot. Who'd you go with again? I went with at quarterback Josh Allen for the Buffalo Bills, 7,500. Then running back one, Jonathan Taylor at 7,900. Nice value play at Cam Akers at RB2 for 5,100. Then I went with Deontay Johnson as my wide receiver one for 6,200. Marquise Brown, wide receiver two for 5,400. Then John Brown, I'm doubling down on Brown, 4,700. And then Logan Thomas at tight end, he is 4,900. And to round out my lineup, I have the Bucks defense for 3,400 going against the Washington football team at seven and nine. (laughs) All right, buddy. I like it. Thanks again for coming on the podcast. I think that we have some good recommendations this week for DFS. Good luck to everybody in their daily fantasy selections. We're hoping for a great weekend of NFL playoff football. Looking forward to the games, slate of games this week. Connor, thanks again for coming on, buddy. Thanks so much for having me, Ben. I look forward to watching some football and texting you all weekend long about how awesome we're killing it or how horrible we're doing. Either way, it's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) All right, buddy. Everybody listening, please go ahead and follow All Things Analysis on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, uh, LinkedIn, and Twitter. All that analysis on Twitter, not All Things Analysis. You can't fit the word things in your Twitter handle, apparently. But... um, Also, please subscribe, rate, and review our Vicious Talk with Benny P podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you're listening to us. We really appreciate your support. Thanks again for everybody who's listening today. Good luck to your daily fantasy endeavors and your gambling endeavors this week. Remember to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious?